Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad here, as always, now with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Haley, welcome back to you as well. Hi, thank you. I'm excited to get in today's topic. Me too. Um, So the way I'm going to set up our... our you know, our pre-episode topic, we're going to be talking about Tangled today, if you didn't already know that from the uh, episode title. Um, I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna do something that I'm, I don't know if your patients do this, but my patients do it to me fairly regularly. Um, and I'm just going to jump in and, and we'll, we'll see what happens. Absolutely. Um, so Haley, I had a weird dream last week and I was hoping <laughs> we could talk about that. I would love to. Dreams are my favorite. Okay. So... Um, as the listeners might know, I got a puppy and the first couple of nights were really crazy because we had to crate train her. So I, as, um, you know, the, uh, I volunteered, uh, for overnight duty basically. Um, so I slept on the kitchen floor a couple nights in a row to make sure the puppy was comfortable in her crate mm-hmm. and, that led to some super weird dreams because I had never slept in the kitchen floor. Um, I don't know That's if I've ever slept sleep. on a kitchen floor, period. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I don't know if this happens to you or to anybody out there, but like I especially have weird dreams when I'm sleeping in a new place. Mm-hmm. So in this particular place, um, especially because my sleep was like in and out, so REM sleep was just kind of going crazy, yeah. I like all the noises around me were just immediately incorporated into my dream state. Oh, I love those. (laughs) (laughs) So I was asleep, but like in and out of sleep. And of course, one of the toys that we got for my dog, Patty, was a like a squeaky fake piece of pizza. And periodically through the night, she would like either accidentally hit it or bite it. And it would do this little squeak. And in my dreams, all of a sudden, I, there were just mice everywhere. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was terrible because oh, I have cool. like a thing about mice and bugs. Um, oh. It's like I'm not afraid of them. It's more like mm-hmm. an anxiety thing. <laughs> like I can't calm myself down until I know they're out of my house. And you're sleeping on the kitchen floor, which is like the most likely which place. Which is where they would be, of course. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> so, um, so there was that. And then the other weird thing was because we were in the in the kitchen, which is right by my back door, uh, my head was within two feet of like the back door, which is, oh. um, you know, obviously locked. But, but terrifying. But terrifying because <laughs> there's no like shade. It's just open to the backyard. Oh. And there's weird lights and all sorts of things that I wasn't used to. And uh, there were like shrouded figures in my dreams, just like all the typical scariest things you could imagine just immediately. So, you know, 
Um, so super you... <laughs> restful is what I'm hearing. Very terrible. calming. Terrible. Oh, no. My patients were a little bit concerned about the bags under my eyes last week. <laughs> um, and I assured them that it's just like new puppy, you know, stress. Nothing to be worried about. Let's talk about you is like the <laughs> common therapy. Look away. But so I, I'm curious, you know, how do you handle a patient who like wants to go into dream interpretation mode? Yeah. So, um, I love it. Um, and the reason why is because my, um, thought is that the thoughts that we have while we're awake and the thoughts that we have while we're asleep are the exact same thing. Mm. It's the context that is different. So when we're awake, our thoughts, um, the silly ones or the kind of like bonkers ones or the hearing the sound and being like, Oh, that sounds like a mouse. We immediately kind of push it aside while we're awake because we know it's not a mouse. Right. Um, so I feel like in dreams, the only difference is we kind of entertain our thoughts more freely. Um, and I also kind of think, you know, like why not? Like sometimes a thought is just a thought, but also sometimes a thought is our brain's way of trying to understand something. So if someone feels like a dream was like meaningful enough or like stuck out enough to them and was more than just like, what a weird dream I had. I'm all for like, let's go into it. Like, let's see if it sparks conversation. Um, And nine times out of 10, like it's, you know, we're able to like find some kind of like metaphor for something they're going through totally, or or even just kind of like, even though it's unrelated, it directly relates into something that they are going through. Um, but I like it because it's it's kind of more fun, right? Well, it's um, right. Metaphors yeah. are, are one of the most fun things in therapy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And then it's like, you know, like kind of bonkers metaphors because what is our brain doing while we're sleeping? That's right. Yeah. And I think yeah, I, for you, like the context of like sleeping on the kitchen floor, like that kind of makes me go like, I don't know that this is about your mental health as much as this is about the fact that you were sleeping on the kitchen floor next to a puppy. <laughs> well, yeah. So in trying to analyze myself, it's like obviously pup first couple days of puppy life are pretty stressful. Um, yeah. And I, and I feel like my brain was just like, oh, yeah, like what are all the other stressful things? Like, yeah. Uh-huh random intruders bugs and mice just like let's let's deal with all of it right now was basically what my brain was doing yeah absolutely Um, super fun um (laughs) so my my general policy with my uh patients is because i find often people want someone else to do the interpreting Mm -hmm. um it's like what do you think this means and you know like a good therapist i always turn that back on the patient um because you know my, my sense is that I can tell you what I think that means, but that's me interpreting based on my own experiences mm-hmm. and my, you know, uh, frames of reference. And I think it's, you're going to get much more value, you know, from you doing interpretation and we can process those thoughts and, and feelings yeah. and anxieties. But, um, I try not to play the dream interpretation game only because I think it, it's likely to kind of get us away from the Mm -hmm. stuff that's stirring the pot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Unless like the dream that is shared with you, you're like, Oh, it sounds like, 
you had a huge surprise in your dream and that caused a, a large amount of stress. And then you go oh, like, sure. I wonder what else that sounds like. Exactly. And they're like, oh, yeah, so wild. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. We, can, we can do some reflecting and, and, yeah. um, and, and sort of like reflecting back to the patient of like, well, you know, based on these things and, and does that connect yeah. to anything you've been talking about recently or dealing with? Yeah, we can, we can totally process and kind of yeah. dive deep. But um, I just try not to do the like... I guess it almost reminds me of um, like astrology. Like I don't want to start mm -hmm. drawing wild conclusions based on, you know, your dreams. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it's, but, you know, it's got to be each individual's specific. Exactly. Context. Right. Yeah. And I think it has, there's, there's often way more value in like you telling me what you think your dream means than me trying mm -hmm. to interpret it for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Haley, you know who else has a dream? Who else has a dream? Uh, well, that would be Rapunzel. She <laughs> has yeah. she has some great dreams. She does. She has a dream for the great big world. And before we go to break, I have a really cute story from this week. Please. Um, I'm visiting my niece and nephew this week. And um, my niece was teaching me about the different princesses. And she was like, oh, this is Belle and this is Jasmine. And then she goes, this is Rapunzel. And then she looks at me with a very stern face and goes, it's not Tangled. Tangled is just on the TV. <laughs> so she was making it very clear that I knew that Rapunzel was the princess and Tangled was the movie. So we better not get that mixed up. We will not call today. her Tangled. <laughs> um, yes. Thank you to your niece for that clarification. Um, all right. Awesome. <laughs> Let's jump in uh, right after this break. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Tangled is a 2010 animated film produced by Walt Disney Animation Studios. Loosely based on the German fairy tale Rapunzel, the film tells the story of a lost young princess with magical long blonde hair who yearns to leave her secluded tower. Against the wishes of the mother she knows, Rapunzel accepts the aid of an intruder and thief to take her out into the world she has never seen. So... My my favorite part of this setup is the mm -hmm. sort of the mythology learning. Um, and I don't know if I'm assuming that this mythology is not what's present in the German version of the fairy tale. <laughs> no, I don't actually know the German version. Do you know it? Um, no, I don't think she easily she like tricks her mother figure into letting her out the tower, I think. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in terms of like the origin of the magical hair. Oh, no. I don't know that it's magical in the, in the German that's fairy tale. Yeah. It's that's just right. long. Yeah. yeah. Right. I think you're right. Um, but I, I do love the sort of mythology of this version of it because, mm -hmm. you know, so it's a drop of sunlight falls from the sky and plants a magical flower who and then the flower is then found by Mother Gothel, um, mm -hmm. and the flower keeps Mother Gothel al alive. And they they say this and they sneak it in there like for centuries. They say, yeah. <laughs> and the first and, and rewatching it recently, I, I thought, oh, so for centuries this woman was uh, 
just staying young and learning how to gaslight. <laughs> yeah, basically. because she is an expert. She's so good at it. Ugh. So Haley, uh, we have to kind of jump in with that, which is that um, you know, magical hair aside, <laughs> this is where we we find. Um, you know, in many ways, almost like happy-go-lucky Rapunzel just kind of singing herself through her room in the tower mm-hmm. uh, with her, as she knows her, mother, Mother Gothel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... And we pretty <laughs> almost immediately see um, the the problems about this relationship dynamic. And I love watching yeah. it with my my wife and daughter because... Um, even though my daughter's seen it a couple of times, like my wife almost regularly like reinforces like, you know, and, and that's not being a nice mother, (laughs) (laughs) just like from the get go. Um, even though it's like part of the plot, obviously that develops that we, we know Mm -hmm. this is not really Rapunzel's mother. Um, but we're trying to, you know, understand why Rapunzel is so accepting of this relationship. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, so what's pretty clear, I think, to most people um, is like you mentioned gaslighting, but that as a part of this idea of narcissistic abuse. And part of that is oftentimes the, um, the victim, or in this case, Rapunzel, is put into a position of, you know, being accepting of it because they've been put in a position to question reality and their sense of like what is wrong and what is right. And so they're like, I guess this is just kind of is how it is. Um, And we see that a lot with Rapunzel. She's just kind of like, okay, I guess this is what it is. Yeah. And I think that does say something about kids in general, you know, kids are resilient, blah, 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 but they will, they will accept and normalize a lot of things. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. And in that first song that that we hear Rapunzel sing, which you know uh, once again has a lot of uh, parallels to what we're dealing with in uh, quarantine, which is uh-huh. just sort of like she reads the same three books over and over again. She has all uh-huh. of her little hobbies. She finds space on the ceiling to paint, um, and then she kind of does it all over again. And she brushes and brushes and brushes her hair. Mm-hmm. And that she, you know, for the most part, even though she's getting to be. Uh, a little bit older and has sort of dreams of, mm-hmm. um, you know, leaving the tower. Mm-hmm. She's pretty accepting of this as her life. Yeah, absolutely. Well, she also knows nothing else. Right. So, well, she you knows know, what she's been told. Absolutely. Yeah. And she doesn't know of, of a life outside of this and she's found a way to make it meaningful for herself. And, I also had that same thought of like, we keep picking these movies that have a great parallel to COVID. <laughs> we do. <laughs> Almost like we're projecting the things that we're dealing with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so you you mentioned narcissistic, uh, narcissistic abuse. Yes. Um, so I wonder if we could kind of give a broad definition of that, because obviously a lot of things go into that. Um, yeah. To me, it brought up a lot of like the cycle of violence, which is sort of also like a very... Um, a clear uh, aspect of narcissistic abuse as well. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if we could kind of go through a couple pieces of that, what that looks like and how we're, we're, how we're seeing that with Rapunzel and mother Gothel. Absolutely. So um, narcissistic abuse, generally um, the perpetrator has narcissistic personality disorder. So um, basically what, 
this is, is it's a overall behavioral pattern that, you know, breaks into every area of their personality and their world um, with a general idea of like grandiosity and thinking they're great, um, needing admiration, lacking empathy. Um, and, you know, there's nine possible criteria in the um, diagnostic manual. Um, and you have to have a minimum of five of them. And I went through them looking at Mother Gothel and she has um, like minimum six that includes um, a sense of self-importance, um, preoccupation with fantasies of success, power, or beauty, which totally. she has, um, requires for excessive admiration. Um, and then these ones are pretty big. Um, she, they are um, interpersonally exploitative, um, taking advantage of others to achieve their own needs and ends, which she literally takes Rapunzel solely to keep her young and for no other reason. Yep. Um, and then lacking empathy or the unwillingness to recognize or identify with the feelings or needs of others. Um, and then overall showing arrogant, haughty behaviors or attitudes um, as long as others. But those were ones we mostly saw with Mother Gothel. Yeah. And I think the, 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 so, it's so interesting as far as villains go in Disney movies, mm -hmm. because, you know, Mother Gothel doesn't want to take over the kingdom, as far as we can tell. Like, she's been alive yeah. for centuries. No one yeah. knows she exists, as far as we can yeah. tell. Um, you know, she's not uh, herself like an evil witch or sorceress or anything yeah. like that, as far as we can tell. She's just a lady who found a magical plant that could keep yeah. her young and then get kind of got hooked on that. And we see... Mm -hmm whether she was narcissistic uh, already or whether this mm -hmm. kind of helped to create that uh, yeah. in her. Um, it's just yeah. a fascinating portrayal of a villain because we don't really know what she wants other than to kind of maybe live forever and to be beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely. And oftentimes this um, narcissism um, in the, the official sense like this, there's an underlying sense of, um, concern about oneself right and yes. mother gothel frequently will kind of like look at herself or comment in a way that makes it very clear like oh i do i am afraid of getting old like this is does not feel good so like you better focus on me and fix me yeah yeah so then we see you know uh rapunzel kind of starting to just kind of hint at It'd be really cool if I could see what else was out there, see the world, see the mm -hmm. the lights on my birthday. She starts to kind of hint at these things that she wants, um, even knowing that her mother uh, has always discouraged her from doing these sorts of things. And that's when we really start to see uh, the gaslighting and this sort of more abusive behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so the narcissistic abuse is narcissistic parents will generally like offer love and adoration and praise um, until you do something that displeases them or like takes the attention away from them or is not exactly what they want from you. And then they turn to tactics like negging or gaslighting, which we see a lot with um, with Mother Gothel um, and just to... Um, kind of define because we use the word gaslighting all the time, I feel, in common um, parlance, but 
Um, I don't know that everybody knows exactly what it means. And yeah, so, so maybe we could give a, a firm definition so people yeah, know what we're talking about. Yeah. So that we're all kind of on the same page. Absolutely. So gaslighting is manipulating someone by psychological means into kind of questioning their own sanity or questioning reality. Um, one way that we see that is every single time Rapunzel brings up the lanterns, Mother Gothel goes, they're stars. You mean the stars. Yes. And um, Rapunzel is like, no, I'm pretty sure they're they're not stars. And she's like, don't be silly. They're stars. Um, and then actually when Flynn or Eugene, whatever you want to call him, comes in and she goes, I want to see these things. And he goes, lanterns. And Rapunzel goes, I knew they were, star- were not stars. Um, she kind of, that's for me kind of the first moment where she starts to realize like, wait a minute, my reality, I'm not as insane as I I have been led to think that I am. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, especially as she first starts to venture out with, and we're going to call him Eugene Fitzherbert by his name, because it's too good of a name to, to not call him by Flynn Rider is fine. Um, but Eugene Fitzherbert is great. So, so yeah, we, we, as she starts to experience what the real world actually is, Mm -hmm. she starts to realize even from the smallest things. And my heart kind of breaks when you see her, you know, put her feet on the grass and in in the water and just sort of like treasure that experience. Um, because you, that's the sort of breaking of the, the veil or like taking the veil off Mm -hmm. of of what you were, what you've been told this whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And what was really cool about that moment. So that's the moment right before she goes through the like, I'm horrible. This is amazing. I'm horrible. This is amazing. And um, Eugene says to her, you seem to be a little bit at war with yourself. Yes. And that moment while like funny and cute is also very clear that this young lady is the victim of um, narcissistic abuse because you are led to kind of be confused or upset about the quote unquote mistakes that you are making. And then you question like, I'm, I'm a horrible person because I'm doing this thing for myself or I'm setting a boundary and that, you know, scene again while funny and cutely presented is actually a very active um show of that kind of mindset of a victim of narcissistic abuse yeah even like the micro moment of her like wrapping herself in her hair and rocking (laughs) back and forth which as you said is played for comedy Mm -hmm. um to me is like the the most obvious sign that like this person is uh, really struggling like that. That is that moment of like, whether, whether that would represent itself in the real world as like a panic attack or, um, you know, this, this really heightened state of anxiety, um, Mm -hmm. fear, obviously of the consequences of what will happen if mother finds out, Mm -hmm. um, that, that really reinforces that cycle of abuse where she has this, she questions herself, you know, maybe she should go back and kind of not, not go through with it. Yeah. I also think it's interesting, as you said, that thing about her wrapping herself in her hair, that's also kind of particularly interesting because her hair is the thing that the most attention and love is 
the, the thing that's given the most attention and love by Mother Gothel, right? Like yes. even when Mother Gothel kind of says, I love you, she kisses her hair. She's talking to the um, hair, right? I mean, yeah. it's, that's pretty clear and gross. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's the thing, what you just described, like that's the thing even that Rapunzel turns to in that moment for safety is like, oh, my hair is the, sa- the safe space. Yeah. And yet it's also the thing that's sort of um, uh, reinforced into her as like, this is the only thing that that uh, of, is of value. Like, this is what people are after you for. Yes, um, absolutely. So even anytime she meets someone outside the tower, it's, you know, are you trying to get my hair? Mm-hmm. Um, because why else would you want to talk to me? Why else would you be here? Why else would you want to get to know me? Um, yeah. yeah. And it's really like, that's when you can see the damage that narcissistic abuse can do to someone because yeah. their sense of who they are is, is wrapped up in the value they provide, whether it's, you know, the abuser as a partner or a parent, um, mm-hmm. like that's what's, what's really, uh, been reinforced for them for Rapunzel for her whole life. Yeah, Absolutely. And then, of course, we have the the well-known villain song, Mother Knows Best, mm-hmm. which is, again, another thing that was just fascinating to watch um, my, my daughter watch because that's when it starts to click that Mother Gothel is the villain. Because mm-hmm. even if um, you don't know that, um, because then this is like the what's sort of the interesting part as thinking about kids watching this, right? Mm -hmm. Is they don't necessarily see narcissistic abuse, right? Um, Adults don't really see it either. That's right. (laughs) And until um, they start to feel this feeling, which I do think is very relatable of Mm -hmm. all I want to do is go outside. And Mm -hmm. my mother in this case is telling me like, I don't know anything um, and you have to listen to me, which is like a very stereotypical parent thing to do. Uh-huh. Um, anytime I find myself not having a reason for not letting my daughter, you know, have 15 more minutes on the iPad, uh-huh. it's like, oh man, I, I think I have to have a reason, right? I can't just say because I said so. I can't just say because mm-hmm. I know it's this is good for you. Um, because you do kind of feel like, oh, I mean, this doesn't really feel good. Like I'm just telling yeah. you to listen to me because I know more than you do. Yeah, and, and this is what's and, and right and right and and mother Gull, mother Gothel turns that into like an abusive relationship, like takes that to Absolutely. the nth degree. Yeah, I think um, what you kind of just described is there's a line that Mother Gothel says kind of over and over again. I'm telling you this to keep you safe. Yes, right. Like, she which is again another it. classic parent thing. Like, that's not that different. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly kind of what I'm saying. Is yeah. you? I'm guessing as a parent, truly are making decisions to keep your child safe with her uses that power and that role as a parent to be like, even the line she says is they'll eat you alive. Right. So he's like, you couldn't handle it. Right. That just discrediting a person over and over again in this Mm -hmm. narcissistic abuse. I'm saying this to keep you safe because you could never do it on your own. Right. And it's that difference between, um, teaching a child how to be safe, right? I'm sure, teaching you this yes. so that you can be safe as you grow versus shut up, don't question me, trust me, this is for your benefit. Yeah, it reminds me of a like, classic piece of parenting advice, which is you know, parents fall into the trap of 
um, like I'm just doing this to protect you, or like mm -hmm. the classic thing, like even when you let your child out, like be careful, like that's always the line. Uh -huh. And and what I've learned is that be careful is actually terrible advice <laughs> because what you're actually uh, uh, teaching your child is to um, sort of like worry, basically, like like mm -hmm. just like Mother Gothel does to Rapunzel, kind of like something terrible could happen if mm -hmm. you're not careful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it also kind yeah. of does that victim blamey kind of thing, right? 100%. If something happens, it's because you weren't yeah. careful. It's because you weren't careful. So, absolutely. so the the parenting advice that I've gotten, which I love is instead to say, pay attention, mm, um, a directive rather than yes, a general. exactly. Yeah, it's not, it's yeah. not a general thing of like, watch out for all, you know, uh, threats mm -hmm. around you, but yeah. just to like, make sure you're looking, make sure you're noticing, you yeah. know, make sure you're seeing, um, the things in front of you and around you. Yeah. Um, and it's not, not, or else you'll, uh, get eaten alive. It's, uh -huh. um, this is a skill, right? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And that's also, um, something I think we talked about it in the last episode with, um, kind of the fear in Palm Springs, but the, um, directing towards, towards something rather than away from something. Right. Yes. Yes. So instead of away from fear, it's towards paying attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Towards something that you can improve upon for yourself. Yeah. yeah. And you would rather your life be about paying attention than simply not getting hurt. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Yeah. Because we're all going to get hurt at some point. So let's, you know, just pay attention and hopefully it won't happen as much. Right. But that's when we see that's why this is narcissistic abuse, right? Because yes. it's Mother Gothel. Yep. doesn't want her to learn the skill of taking care of herself outside the tower. She wants Absolutely her not. because De of her dependent. own purposes to stay. Yes. Right. Absolutely. And that's a huge thing in, in most forms of abuse, but particularly here, which is isolating the victim from others. Um, because if you isolate from others, it makes the ab abuse easier because you don't have anyone to kind of organize your reality against except for the abuser, right? right. So her reality is what Mother Gothel tells her and nothing else. Um, and you even actually see that when um, Eugene is knocked out in the oh, tower yeah. and she yeah. like reaches over and she like lifts his lip up to see if his teeth are sharp mm -hmm. and they're both like wait a minute what no fangs yeah no <laughs> and they were like super confused and they even went over and looked at the drawing yes. that mother Gothel had drawn of the men with sharp bad guys teeth. Yeah. yeah um and that's a moment where she's like, this is the first time she's had someone other than her abuser to organize her reality around. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and you know, that in many ways, like, because it's a movie, like she has to learn very quickly, right? She has to mm -hmm. decide whether or not to trust Eugene. She has to decide um, what's worth the risk, you know, and what's not. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it, I have to sort of introduce um, this amazing kind of fan theory and and some of the yeah. background of how they decided to write the story this way. Because I think with, you know, ultimately what we're doing with this show is trying to talk about how this stuff is portrayed, how people decide yes. to write these stories. Is it accurate? Is it not? But also, what are the implications of portraying the stories this way? Mm -hmm. So with Rapunzel, we have a person who is, 
uh, isolated and uh, yeah. emotionally abused for 18 years of her life. Mm-hmm. And yet she is, as far as we can tell, very resilient. Um, yes. You know, has a, a lot of, of skills, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she uh, is adventurous, right? As far as we can tell, she seems to have pretty good self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Despite um, being told that she's exactly, getting chubby and right, she's sloppy exactly. and she's underdressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, I won't say she has no fear because there's definitely some initial fear, but like she kind of yeah. overcomes that pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, obviously like standard, uh, typical PTSD things, we don't necessarily see a lot of those mm-hmm. classic symptoms. And I, I came upon a fan theory, which I just love. Throw um, it at me. Okay, so the fan theory for why Rapunzel doesn't have any, like, obvious mental uh, health symptoms that would more likely be representative of someone who's been emotionally abused and isolated Mm -hmm. for 18 years is because her hair not only can heal uh, uh, physical wounds, but also mental wounds. Oh, my goodness. It heals her the whole time. So, so her hair is uh, healing her mental health wounds that she might have otherwise experienced as a result of this emotional abuse. So I will even one-up that Please. theory. Please, yes, go with it because is, I love this so much. It's not her hair because okay. even once her hair is cut, she is still able to That's heal. True. That's so true. So it's truly coming from inside her. The strength is coming from inside her. I love it. Yes. Oh and that's goodness. and that's a better message anyway, right? <laughs> that's I love it. I love this theory. Um I did not think about that at all, but I think that's hugely powerful because I think that also really unintentionally maybe sends the message that um physical health and mental health are so closely intertwined absolutely and they are treated so differently which is unfair because they again are so closely intertwined um so to have this where um not only can her hair heal but her tears can heal as well that's right Um, it's it's inside of her yeah yeah and i also kind of love this idea of you know tears being healing i say to my patients often i go i personally believe that salt water can cure anything sweat tears or the ocean yep um so i always whenever my patients are like oh gosh i'm so embarrassed that i'm crying i go why if you can't cry here where can you cry Mm. So I love that, you know, the healing properties are inside of her and she can heal her own self and she can heal those around her. Yep. And the sort of corollary to this theory that I also love is that, that. um, you know, as obviously, you know, initially Rapunzel is pretty uh, hesitant about uh, Eugene, you know, Mm -hmm. she wraps up in her hair and she's questioning him. As soon as Mm -hmm. they're outside the tower, she's like, good with him. Like, yeah, even though he's got wanted posters, like, yeah, just take me, just take me to the castle. Totally on board. Um, And uh, the correlator to the theory is that that is sort of genetic because when they finally get to the castle, Mm -hmm. Rapunzel's parents are just like, you know what? Green eyes, uh, close enough. You're our daughter. (laughs) Yeah. So that was also, I sat there watching that scene and I was like, why are they just like so 
chill with this. Well, it's confirmation bias, right? They so badly want their daughter. And we can talk about, obviously, there's a more real, like, emotionally yeah. devastating impact mm-hmm. on the parents. But, um, but, also, but they still I want mean, it to be true. And yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, and there have been stories in the news of parents who have lost children and then had yes. um, Different child people pretend to be oh their children. Gosh. Yeah. yeah. Um, something else that I was kind of thinking of, and now I'm stalling because it left my brain. Oh, no. What was it? We were talking about her being, oh, her being okay with Eugene as soon yes. as they're out of the tower. Yes. Um. I'm sure there's attachment stuff there as well, mm. right? So kind of like oh, sure. reactive attachment because um, she has a super weird attachment with Mother Gothel because Mother Gothel's not a stable parent at all, right. um, a stable parenting figure. Um, and, you know, so the atten- the tendency to like attach to someone you know, she's been raised to be dependent. Yes. And once she's in that tavern and there's all these scary men, well, now, you know, Eugene Flynn is the the person that she knows. And so now she's going to attach to him. Yeah. And, and as far as like how Eugene treats her, um, as, especially as compared to Mother Gothel, it's like, oh, actually, mm-hmm. this is this is fine. I can mm-hmm. if this is how this guy treats me, like I can handle this, especially with yeah. a frying pan. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> Yeah, okay, so I'm glad you brought up uh, the Scary Men because uh-huh. another song from this movie I feel like we have to talk about. Yes, um, it's your favorite. That's my favorite. <laughs> and it's I've Got a Dream. Yeah. And the reason, and I, 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 you know, this sort of take, if this is a hot take, only uh, occurred to me upon rewatching it over the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. And especially when you read the lyrics, but obviously... Yes. The, the visual of these big, scary Viking-like men uh-huh. all having pretty, um, like, opposite their type dreams. Mm-hmm. Like yes. the first guy who hook-hand wants to play Mozart. Um, another guy just wants to fall in love and have, like, a love-loving yeah. relationship. Um, another guy collects little unicorn Oh, figurines. my God, tiny unicorn. <laughs> another guy's into interior decorating. Yeah. And they're all, like, obviously the whole joke is, like, it's against type, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I'm watching this and I'm like, this song is about toxic masculinity. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, Having to be tough and not being able to follow your dreams well, because right. of that. Because then Flynn, Flynn especially, is a perfect example of this. He has a fake, more masculine name. Yep. um, And his quote-unquote dream is to be by himself on an island with a pile of money. Yeah. Which, and he even says in the lyrics, he said, like, his his dream is not as touchy-feely as all of these other big, scary men who just acknowledge their, like, uh, very honest dreams. Yeah, absolutely. And... I think that I completely agree. And something that I think is really cool is the this song came on my niece and nephew's playlist. And um, my niece turned to me and she goes, these guys are scary. And then she pauses. She goes, but they're really nice inside. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I that phrase right there was straight from my brother's mouth to her ears. I could just Good. hear it, um, yeah. <laughs> which shows you how that conversation is hopefully changing. It's not totally changing, obviously, but 
you know, changing where a man can be strong and scary and tough and still really nice and sweet inside. Well, yeah, especially like you parallel this with other Disney movies, like the one that jumped mm-hmm. to mind for me was Mulan. Like, okay, I'll make a man out of you and mm-hmm. um, a girl worth fighting for, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, are are the two are two of the biggest songs from that? Yeah. Um, and it's like those are both like very stereotypical, like the men fight the wars for the women, the the you know more gentle woman back at home. Yeah. And now here you have this woman who's adventurous and swinging through trees on her 75 foot long hair <laughs> and you know uh knocking out soldiers with her frying pan yeah and it's just such a departure um from many of the disney princesses we've seen come before her absolutely and i just want to say as someone who has long hair long hair is heavy so this girl <laughs> is really strong and she must be strong wields it like nothing (laughs) (laughs) yeah absolutely i definitely think that's a great kind of parallel that you made there with that song of um and what i think is really cool in this movie is that it doesn't take away from those characters at all it actually makes you like them more that's right it makes makes you root for them Yeah. yeah and in that right after that scene, um, Rapunzel asks Flynn about himself and he says, I don't do backstories. Yes. Um, oh my God. And you're kind of like, ugh, when he says that. Yes. But then when he starts to open up and he says, Actually, my name is Eugene Fitzherbert, and then he like slowly from I had that to tell point someone. On, yeah. 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 From that point on, he like becomes more vulnerable and opens up more and becomes so much more likable. And I think that is such a metaphor for the relational part of therapy, which is um, we protect ourselves and we put up these walls. And again, I'm throwing out things that I throw out to my patients all the time, Mm -hmm. but I say like walls are fantastic for protecting yourself, but they also keep people out. Yep. And Flynn shows us that. And in that tavern, these men were like, Oh, I, you simply want to ask me a question. Well, here's, all this vulnerability about myself and they're also supportive of each other and like they're close to each other and they become close to her and Flynn and they come and save him at the end. I think that's a great metaphor for being open and letting our walls down and being vulnerable. Yeah. And the, right. The difference in sort of the vulnerability happening, right. With the, Mm -hmm. with the guys in the tavern, it's one person going first gave them all permission to also acknowledge their dream and their vulnerability and that that softer side of themselves whereas with eugene it wasn't Uh until he was as far as he knew about to die (laughs) um that that his vulnerability was was allowed to be shown and i think that's that's pretty close to some real life parallels as well you know we you know um i don't want to make any stereotypes but um in terms of like the reasons people decide it's okay for them to come into therapy. Um, You know, there certainly are some gender differences. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, that's why I really push so hard, whether it's on the show or just like in general things that I write, it's like, you can find a very small reason to come into therapy, even just to start. Um, And you'll be surprised. I think in most cases, what comes from that um so you don't wait until you're about to die from real or fictional drowning before you have to let your walls down as you as you said so yeah yeah. and i think you know that's 
such a huge example is people um, will kind of think like, oh, I I don't have any big problems. And, and people frequently will say to me like, oh, I know first world problems. And I'm like, mm. but they are still struggles, right? Just because they aren't, um, you know, the struggles of, of others, which are, you know, grander on a social scale doesn't mean that you're not struggling. And so, like you said, you can find even the smallest thing to come into um, therapy for. I had someone who started with me because they wanted help um, organizing like their daily schedule because they weren't feeling motivated and they've been with me for almost a year. Great. (laughs) Yeah. And it's been wonderful because we've gotten to, you know, more aspects of their relationships and things like that. And I think that's how therapy goes. Yeah. So, yeah. So <clears throat> I think it's, and, and, you know, pulling back out for a second with the sort of how they decided to write this story. Right. Yes. Cause obviously it differs from the German fairy tale. Um, <laughs> I sent you an article before we recorded um, by one of the storyboarders for yes. the movie. And yeah. he kind of talks about how they decided to portray Rapunzel um, mm-hmm. in the way that they did and sort of how they decided, you know, not to make her um, uh, like a victim. They wanted her to more be uh, really confident. They didn't want, he mm-hmm. literally says in the article, they didn't want people to pity her, yes. um, which I think is really interesting because, I mean, I don't know. Do you think that's how people would perceive her if she were, let's say, more uh, more obviously experiencing difficulties as a result of emotional abuse? I think so. Yeah. Um, if it didn't include the fight in her, right? Mm, sure. The, the fight in her is what makes us stand behind her. Well, right. Uh, they wanted to show this sort of strong spirit, which yes. I totally get. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, her hair was healing her. So that's yes, why that's she right. had it. <laughs> um, but also in that same article, they spoke about the importance of Pascal, her chameleon, yes. in um, this um, article. They spoke about how a girl who was raised in this environment would question herself a lot, right? Because she's been conditioned to question herself constantly. She would be unsure. She would be nervous. So having this creature with her that is like, no, show him who's boss and like yes. kind of being her tough spirit. Yes. Um, I think that was an important part of this story because um, Pascal is kind of the one that reminds her like, no, you can do this, um, which she needs because she's getting torn down constantly by mother Gothel and, that gives her that fight that wants us to be behind her and be like, go get him, girl. Um, and I love that. Um, and I also think not only is is Pascal the fight in her, but Pascal's color changes based on how he's feeling. Emotion, obviously, yes. Yeah, but he's like blue when he's yep. sad. And then there's one point where he's like angry and he's red. And so what I like about that is he's um, – kind of modeling for her like here's here's what you should be feeling right now and they go over when Flynn's there and she's like I trust him do you trust him and he's like I know (laughs) um (laughs) and so you know giving her fight and then giving her quote-unquote believable because I mean it's a chameleon but like believable like reason to have so much fight after being torn down and locked away for 18 years 
Yeah, and I love, I do love um, both Pascal and Maximus. I think they are two mm-hmm. of my favorite uh, animal sidekicks in like all of Disneydom. Yeah. Um, I just think, you know, Maximus is this giant white horse who's basically a, a puppy, right? Yeah. Um, and I just love that that choice and how he's able to, like, wheel the sword with his mouth. It's something about it. It's just really, I really, I don't know, really got into that. Yeah. Um, but yes, but the decision with Pascal, because the, the alternative to not having a character, mm-hmm. you know, in the tower with her... Um, who would she have talked to, right? And I do think that mm-hmm. that's really interesting because we get to see Rapunzel's sort of internal monologue. You know, whether whether we believe Pascal understands her or not, mm-hmm. um, you know, she's talking to Pascal as if Pascal wasn't there. Like, these are the things that she'd be saying to herself out loud if she were talking mm-hmm. to herself, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Like, you know, us talking to our animals. That's right. <laughs> And I think I think I like that because um, it does portray a very healthy use of imagination, right? Pascal mm-hmm. doesn't speak back; he, you know, sort of gestures, and we we get yeah. that he understands. But it's like just you know straddles that line between um, like magical and based in reality with our pets. Yeah, absolutely. Because something that I kind of wondered about, which is. Um, if someone were truly this isolated their whole lives, would they have the same kind of desire slash natural tendency towards socialization, you know, and wanting friends and knowing how to interact with people the way she can so naturally. Um, But by throwing in this companion, it's more believable that she can do that because she's got a friend. It's a little green quote unquote, frog not a frog um, yes. that Flynn <laughs> calls him um and he's like semantics it was so funny um but yeah she has this companion and that makes it more believable that she has this literal relatability yeah she really does and I think it's it's also nice um you know just in general again when you compare Rapunzel to the other Disney princesses um, now you could say technically she loses both of her parents, but both of her parents at the end of the movie are still alive, which is pretty yes. rare, That's super um, rare as far as Disney princesses go. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, um, if you are familiar with the, uh, Tangled television series. I saw it on Disney plus, but I haven't watched it. Well, let me tell you, it goes yes. deep on the sort of <laughs> mythology of the sun drop and all of these oh, cool. characters. And I have to say like. You know, as a parent who has to watch a lot of different children's television, it mm-hmm. might be my favorite children's television show that my daughter has watched the whole series of. Amazing. Um, That's high praise. Yeah, it's just it's a lot of what you get from this movie. It's it's relationships and mm-hmm. it's um, resilience and it's adventure and it's funny. Mm-hmm. And I think it strikes such a nice balance um especially for kids to kind of latch on to some really serious topics yeah um because uh, you know we could quibble with like how much is is this like um a realistic portrayal of someone who's been in isolation for 18 years (laughs) yes but i think you know for kids that they don't necessarily need the realistic portrayal and i'm okay with that but also they 
kind of talk about it at a kid's level, right? Yes, An example totally. I gave you before we were um, recording was when she's trying on the crown and she doesn't know where it goes. She like puts it on her arm and then she tries to put it somewhere else. And then finally she puts it on her head and then Pascal goes, no, that doesn't look right. Um, but someone who is in isolation wouldn't know what a crown looks like. And even that small moment will say to children, like, she doesn't really know how the outside world works. True. Yeah. So there are um, small recognizable, relatable things of, yeah. of like what's wrong with her. As yeah. a child might say, like, why doesn't she understand? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah that's a good point. Um, because she is. Once, yeah. yeah. Good. One thing that crossed my mind, you said like, oh, both her parents are still alive gonna see like seem like a random question but were sure. both of um merida's parents alive at the end of the movie okay yes um but the, <laughs> so those princesses come later and this is what i like about what's changed about disney is that um rapunzel is the first disney princess with both yeah. of her parents alive at the end of the movie mm-hmm. and then merida and both i feel like it's the only ones where well i guess this one has a romance in it but there's like it still feels like these the are primary the primary story like strong. Right. Yeah. Yes. Um, Cause yeah, I feel like in Mulan, Mulan's strength is undermined by the romance of totally. that story. Absolutely. Whereas this one, I didn't quite feel it that way. He felt like a partner rather than uh, just finding a prince in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I kind of find it a bummer that the two that I think of as like the strong female lead stories are the only ones who have two parents. Yeah, it is. But but maybe we're sort of headed in this direction where we don't have to rely on, you know, parental loss or yes. like relationship seeking out to yeah. portray growing up. Because I think that's been the sort of crutch is like, oh, we want to show a child growing up or an overcoming yeah. of adversity. So mm-hmm. then the default has always been like, well, what parent dies or well, uh, uh, a yeah. sibling dies or well, mm-hmm. a disaster happens. Um, yeah. and I think there's, there's so much more sort of subtle challenges that we're seeing now, um, in some of the more recent Disney movies. So after Rapunzel was Merida in brave, mm-hmm. and then we have so, Moana, um, yeah. and she's then, pretty strong. And not, does she not only pretty strong, parents? but there's no romance in that at all. Oh, fantastic. Right. And, she, <laughs> she and both her both parents, parents are alive okay. at the beginning and the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That don't hate me, but that's my least favorite. Moana is. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because okay. it was so built up. I was really excited to see it. And I okay. went, oh, okay. <laughs> well, well, let me tell you, um, a new Disney princess has just uh-huh. come out, uh, Raya and the Last Dragon. Yeah, um, I see it. Obviously, we have seen it already because you can purchase it on Disney Plus. Disney Plus uh-huh. And it's great. And maybe we'll talk about that because it, it gets into some really nice themes of trust, which is such a unique topic for a Disney cool. yep. um, movie to tackle. So yep. I'm really happy about where things appear to be headed yeah. in terms of the types of issues Disney princesses can handle. Yeah. We women are putting our foot down for the girls after us. Well, and so it's funny that you say that because I was this this made me go back and watch. Um, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Kira Knightley on Ellen. This was like years ago. Like famously talked about how she will not let her daughter watch. I think it was Ariel or Cinderella mm-hmm. or Snow White mm-hmm. or or Sleeping Beauty. Like there were three or four of them that was just like 
all of these princesses either, you know, sacrifice something for a man, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, Aladdin, too. Uh, Aladdin, or, right, like, or have lost a, a um, maternal figure in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, can't we do better than that? <laughs> can't, you yeah. know, can't we show a really healthy, active, living maternal relationship, right? Absolutely. Um, so it was interesting because, you know, obviously as a dad, um, I don't necessarily have those same um, instincts. And I love all the Disney movies. I'll let her watch anything. Yeah. But I do totally understand where this is coming from of what are the lessons that we're, that we're passing on to this generation, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think that's a huge piece, right, is it's the, the messaging around the movies. A movie is just a movie until it becomes the messaging, right? Like I loved Little Mermaid as a little girl. Like I wanted nothing more than to be a mermaid. And I always thought she was so cool because she was so adventurous and brave going to land and things like that. And then obviously as I got older, I was like, oh, geez, like she literally (laughs) gave it all up just for legs to impress this dude. And she didn't figure out that she could write and could have just written her name on a... Dude, the sand was, or something. She was a fish. She never learned to read or write. Oh, although she, she wrote signed her, her name. Uh, whole plot well, hole. Plot and hole. that's a whole problem yes. there because she did not read that contract. Good point. Good point. Maybe she doesn't know how to read. Maybe she only knows how to write her name. Um, but yeah, so, so we, we could we could nitpick um, forever. Um, but I think really what we're saying here is that we're we're happy, I think, overall with the way that Rapunzel yes. uh, uh, portrays the challenges as well as overcomes them absolutely yeah so with that um you know should we get into reviews i don't know if there's any Mm -hmm. any sort of last notes or or um angles you wanted to go through but it's you know it's a disney movie we all know it i mean yeah yeah, there's a lot you can talk about the psychology of kidnappers the grief of the parents um and how grief differs when you lose a child literally versus losing a child to death so Um, actually and that's why i brought up the the tv show um uh, is because we do get much more of the parents you get that's awesome yeah because you know naturally um you know even though uh rapunzel is returned to them Mm-hmm. You know, they in the show they immediately turn into these very protective, overbearing parents, which where, she needs less of, not more of. Of course, <laughs> they, they don't want to let her leave the kingdom. Yeah. They always want her to wear shoes, which is hilarious. Oh my gosh, um, no! <laughs> and you know, they just want her to be a proper princess. They don't want her out gallivanting with this yeah. former thief um, mm-hmm. or his band of uh, you know Viking men, tavern men. Um, yeah. Um, so it's really interesting because yes, of course the parents are, are stricken with intense, intense grief. Um, and we don't see, you know, they don't show them at any point during the movie until Rapunzel's about to get back. Mm-hmm. Um, we see, you know, um, Rapunzel's mom. I wanted to say Mrs. Rapunzel. I don't actually know her name. I'm <laughs> Mrs. Sure Tangled. Yeah, Mrs. Tangled. Um, you know, sort of wiping a tear from uh, the, the father's Mr. face as they, <laughs> Mr. Tangled, as they are about to sort of send the... Um, lanterns into the sky, you know, not celebrating, but marking the loss of Rapunzel. And you can just see the devastation of this ritual, um, which it clearly is. And I guess, you know, maybe before we wrap up, I I think that's sort of an interesting piece here as we think about parents who've experienced this sort of loss, that -hmm. there's a lot of power in these rituals, not just for them as they relate to their... um, 
uh, uh, members of their kingdom, right? But also mm-hmm. for themselves. Yes. And keeping that hope alive. And, oh my gosh, yeah. You know, having mourning-based rituals is super meaningful because it maintains that connection. Particularly in their case where they've, they don't know what happened with their child, being able to both mourn and keep the hope alive at the same time, um, I think is powerful, but they would need a lot of therapy around that. Very true. I hope the kingdom (laughs) has some local therapists or I hope they have one on staff. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Because obviously, yeah, even, even with um, Rapunzel coming back, whether it's the parents getting a therapy or Rapunzel getting therapy, overcoming this, this crazy uh, ordeal they all went through, you know, this is not, this would not be the end of their, uh, their trauma response. Absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. They have a long, a long recovery time. Um, and sort of some of that is kind of covered in the show. So if you're curious, I can't encourage you enough to watch um, Tangled the series, which is, of course, on Disney Plus, um, yeah. goes into I'm a lot of this curious. stuff. <laughs> um, and like it gets way more magical, like it goes deep wow. on the magic of the sun drop and. If I can offer one spoiler, which is kind of pretty obvious if you watch a trailer of the show, her hair does grow back and her powers yes. grow back. I find that surprising because yes. in um, Frozen, she shows up to the wedding and she's got short brown hair. Yes. Well, I think... Or not the wedding, the opening of the castle. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know timing wise when the series was written. <laughs> But maybe the they, Disney need, to, they, they need to work that out in the in the canon of Rapunzel. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's so funny. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff out there. We could we could certainly, you know, maybe we'll talk about an episode of Rapunzel uh, Tangled. Yeah, um, because there's my, I know my daughter will want to be, will want to because of it's course. one of her favorite. Absolutely. Um, Speaking so, of your daughter. So my daughter, uh, hearing that we were going to cover this on the show, really wanted to do her review. So um, we are going to wrap up the show, and then I'm going to talk to my daughter, Bryn. I'm going to let her do her review. You've heard us talk about the show enough. You have a sense of what we think about it. We can just say, like, what a lovely little movie. Um, And I don't know. Maybe we could do a – let's just do a sort of our own – therapist review how well do yeah. we think this portrayed um um Mental let's say health. in particular um narcissistic uh abuse absolutely yeah we can do the therapy side of it and she can do the energy can take over the rest that's right yeah absolutely um so let's go one two do we do five or ten we usually do five <laughs> we can we can do as many as you want one to five Little unicorn figurines. Perfect. <laughs> um, how much do you think it was accurate in terms of the relationship of narcissistic abuse? So the abuse itself, I mm-hmm. think they nailed. I yep. would say five out of five. Um, and then as you and I talked about, the sort of uh, response, the impact of the abuse, I think that was, let's say, Disney-fied, and I'm totally mm-hmm. okay with it. Even if it's yeah. not realistic, I'm okay with it. I understand it, and I'll I'll let it go. Yeah, and that's the story. It's the child story, and we yes. want a hero that we can, um, not right, not pity, but stand behind. So that makes total sense for the movie that it is. Right, I completely agree with your um, your five unicorns. 
Okay, well, um, stay tuned for Bryn's review. Um, but before we get to that, Haley, what, what else do we have coming up? We've been talking about some exciting options to discuss. Absolutely. So next week we are going to do The Undoing. Um, that is a six-part, it's about six hours um, miniseries. And then after on that... On HBO. On HBO. Yeah. Um, I wasn't sure which one. That's yep, why I that's didn't okay. say it. <laughs> um, and then the week after that, so that you guys can watch and follow along with us, we will be doing Memento, an old favorite. Yes, I've never highly requested. It. Oh, well, yeah. you're in for a treat because I'm it so is excited. a great one. Um, yeah, Christopher Nolan, one of Christopher Nolan's earliest. So I can't wait to talk about that one. Absolutely. Yeah. So the undoing next week and then the following week we'll do Memento. So everybody, please um, keep reaching out. We love all your suggestions. We've gotten a couple, and I, I, I'm really appreciative of them. It helps us know that that you are listening out there and that you have things that you want to hear us talk about as well. So definitely uh, reach out to us on any uh, social media platform, at PopPsych101. And Haley, thanks as always. This was a super fun episode. Of course, yeah. I had a blast. This was a lot of fun. Rate, review, tell your friends. Please share it. Um, we're very grateful that you all listen. And now for Bryn's review of Tangled. Take it away, Bryn. Um. What did you think of the movie Tangled? Well, um, I watched it a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really like it. Why not? Because um, a guy at Cud... Um, upon the hail. Flynn Rider. Flynn Rider didn't ask permission to take cut upon the hair. Flynn Rider did not ask Rapunzel's permission to cut her hair when he was trying to, when she was trying to save his life, right? Yes. And what did you think about that? When he did that, I feel like that was rude. Because, it was rude of Flynn Rider to do that. Yeah, because it's her hair, so she should get to her side. So that's why you don't like the movie? Yeah. Okay. So uh, a score of 0 to 100, 100 being the best movie you've ever seen, what score would you give Tangled? I will give it 1 to 10. You would give it a 10 out of 100? No, a 10 out of a 1. A 10 out of 1? Yeah. Okay. Well, there there you have it, everybody. A surprising negative review by Bryn. But thanks so much for coming on my show. You're welcome. Anything else you want to tell my listeners? Um, Don't forget to subscribe. <laughs> don't forget to subscribe. All right. Thanks so much, Bryn. I hope you come again soon. <laughs> Bye.